0: THE RED LETTER QUESTIONS by Don Harris The scene was the same every day. Early in the morning, my wife came into the room and found me in my chair, where she finds me every morning, as I was scratching through my Bible. "'What you looking for?' she asked. My answer was always the same. "'Looking for questions.' For most of my life, I looked in my Bible for answers. But for nearly four years, my early morning hours were devoted to my new assignment looking for questions. When I first began my pursuit of the red-letter questions in the Bible, my interest was quite detached from book development. It was pure intrigue. My fascination with Bible questions sprang from my disenchantment with Bible answers. Since the age of fourteen, I had studied the Bible in a search for answers. At first, I needed only simple answers to resolve the simple questions of a youth who was just beginning life. As my life became more complicated, the questions became more complex. I needed more from my faith, so naturally I sought more from the Bible. Over time, I learned the languages, procured the translations, and reconstructed the history and customs of civilization's past. I learned to dissect, analyze, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, there a little, until I was able to prove, codify, and solidify my theology into a flawless, inarguable reality. Wasn't this the way I was supposed to do it? Precept upon precept? Line upon line? Here a little? There a little? Wasn't the Bible supposed to be my only source? Didn't Job say, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food? Job even wished for a Bible like ours when he said, I want the Almighty to answer me. If he had only written a book... I would take it to myself and learn and consider it as a crown to me. Through this technique, I learned how to find the most obscure answers to any of the doctrinal trivia that may arise out of my fundamental dogma. I could point to scripture after scripture explaining in clear terms exactly what I believed, and why you should, too. I had fallen prey to a twisted kind of biblical Gnosticism. I'd been convinced that the more I knew the closer to God I would become. Somehow, I had it in my mind to get the answers I needed from the Bible. I was told that prayer should fill the disparity in my spiritual communications, but it was not a desire to speak to Him that made me feel so helpless. What I needed was to have Him speak to me. I had, up to this point, gone to the Bible for the conversation I longed for, How many times I would open my Bible while considering a difficulty and say, well, let's see what God says about it. As I considered my lifelong pattern, I realized that my Bible had ever increasingly become my God. But I had my answers. Remember, a person who has all the answers has no questions. That made me, by definition, a know-it-all. I was to learn the reality of this fantasy the hard way over and over again during the next twenty years. In my mid-twenties, I commenced my first public ministry. It eventually included a church congregation, a children's home, a children's school, and my first radio broadcast. All was well. In each of my decisions, I justified my stubborn and sometimes sinful position by Scripture and solid apologetics. My positions were inarguable, my theology was flawless, and my heart was blackened by self-deceit. After several years, my utopia began to disintegrate. I watched helplessly as each part of my life, home, and ministry was all lost, one by one, over the course of seven short days. I felt a mistaken kinship to Job as my life, work, and family systematically vanished but that was because I still thought that I was right. Not learning much from my mistakes, I began again. In the years that followed, I watched helplessly as two more of my attempts at ministry failed. Although I felt I had the answers, I realized that my faith was having no real effect on my life. That is, I had no power over sin, many times not even recognizing it nor had I any assurance of Jehovah's hand in my life. Again, all I had set my hand to do crumbled, and I found myself helpless to change anything. These were the years when the renowned preachers were falling one by one. I saw local and national ministries accused of scandalous misdeeds. I became more weary and disappointed, and spent several years avoiding anything spiritual. I was angry. I was afraid. I SAW MYSELF IN THEM. COULD YOU REPEAT THE QUESTION, PLEASE? MY STRUGGLE TO UNDERSTAND CONTINUED. WHAT HAPPENED TO THESE MEN? WHAT HAPPENED TO ME? IT BECAME OBVIOUS TO ME THAT I HAD LEARNED THE WORDS AND MISSED THE MESSAGE. ALTHOUGH I KNEW ALL ABOUT THE BIBLE, I DID NOT KNOW ITS AUTHOR. I HAD ANSWERS. BUT WHAT WAS THE QUESTION AGAIN? Job wanted answers. I wanted answers. Is it such a ridiculous thought to seek answers by seeking questions, I thought? Then, one day, it all turned around. While half-heartedly listening to the Bible on tape, I heard the Almighty speak and thunder to Job, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Stand up like a man, and I will question you, and you will answer me for a change. Could it be that simple? Could my problem have been that I had been looking for my answers when my real task should have been to find and answer his questions? Mark records the familiar story about the Pharisees demanding answers from Jesus. Jesus responded with this proviso, I will also ask you a question, answer me, and I'll answer you. This became a theme a key to my Bible study and, indeed, my entire spiritual life. Could it be that I had spent the sum of my life gathering answers to questions of no value? Could it be that all of us are striving to answer questions formulated in our foolish minds when we should be answering the wise and prudent questions formulated in the mind of our God and Savior? Could it be that we are not even prepared to ask questions until we have fully answered him on the basic issues about which he questions us? Mine is not a story of a man who thought he was saved but wasn't, nor is it a story of a man who finally found the Holy Grail. Rather, mine is a record of a progression of faith that is not only available to everyone, I am sure it is his divine plan for us all. I felt then and still feel confident in his salvation, but I had no relationship, just words with no conversation. I had an affiliation, but no interaction. I am a different man today because I stopped asking and started answering. The answers that I had wrested and wrung out of the scriptures to fill the voids and inconsistencies of my own doctrines have since evaporated into the expanse of his understanding. My vain interrogations have since become ridiculous in comparison to his questions. At first I was vexed about the new journey that lay ahead of me, with all my previous foundations in rubble. I contemplated the changes that were taking place in my thinking. It frightened me. I would pray, Are all my concerns to be forgotten? No answer. When will I get to ask you questions again? No answer. I winced. Again, I found myself questioning him. This will be a hard habit to break. I learned to relax. One day, when I least expected it, My assignment became clear, the price became evident, and the reward came into focus. What would I be trading to seek this new understanding? I would only be trading my own wicked ways, my unrighteous thoughts. For his? Good trade. Then the scriptures spoke within me, Let the wicked man forsake his way, and the unrighteous his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have mercy on him, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It was then that I heard within myself as if he whispered to me personally, So are my questions higher than your questions. I finally conceded. Okay, Lord, you ask, I'll answer. His questions must take precedence over ours. If you can, imagine having a one-hour appointment with the Creator of heaven and earth, in which He has agreed to answer all of your questions, if you so desire. Can you also imagine walking into such a meeting, laying all your own questions aside and asking, Lord, what questions do you have for me? When it occurs to you that his questions have more power to educate, illuminate, and inform than any of the meager answers you have ever garnered from your religious experiences, you will gladly desire questions from your Lord rather than answers you'll find that the mere contemplation of his questions can transform you. When this approach is applied to your study, you may find that it's necessary to experience a myriad of changes before you're even able to answer at all. Honesty may demand returning with a different answer at a later time. Some of his questions will not even make sense until you're in the right place, at the right time, with the right perspective. His questions will require searching within and researching without. They will demand your time and meditation and your consideration throughout your day. They will appear and reappear in your everyday life. They will occupy the background of your thinking in nearly every situation. They will culminate in such peace and power and understanding that you will be changed forever. It could take a lifetime to answer just one of his questions. But answering just one of his questions will change you forever. There are no limits to his ways of teaching. His ways, as it is said, are past finding out. So perhaps, like me, you'll begin searching for questions in your Bible instead of answers. As a result of doing so, I've never been the same. You won't be the same either.